Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. And it's Brad Ever from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, friends. you got MJ. Welcome to another Coaches Panel podcast. A special one for you today. Not chatting 50 most relevant, although maybe some players will come in. It's a special edition weekend, because why the heck not? Answering some of your questions you've submitted via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you know, messenger carrier bird, however you've got them to us, we appreciate you doing it. We wanted to spend some time answering some of the questions you've been asking us over the first couple of weeks of January uh, to help answer some of these really big, important questions. I got Jimmy on. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. Mate, I'm keen to get through some of these questions that through uh, social media people have asked us. We'll still keep going on every single day. The podcasts are still coming with the 50 most relevant. You can keep getting those. Um, The articles are still there at coachespanel.tv. Other new articles landing every single day as well. But we thought, you know, across the weekend, yep, why not? Let's throw out a special extra podcast Doing a little bit of Q and A, and um, so let's um, let's jump straight into some of the questions we've been getting across Twitter and Facebook. Um, Ella Zam has asked a, a really interesting question for AFL Fantasy. I'm finding other than Devon Smith, all top price forwards look too risky for value for money. Do you have any 450 to 650k suggestions that have a 15 to 20 point improvement likely? Thoughts, Jimmy? Um. Yeah, my first thought on that is that um, I would have Devin Smith firmly in that bracket of top price forwards that look value, uh, risky for value. Yeah. Um, he's had a, an amazing 2018. Um, we, we don't need to, to back over that too much, but um, I think there's got to be a question mark on whether he can do that again um, and, and whether he can improve that. Um, you'd think with, with Shield coming in, does that help him or hurt him? Is he going to be able to maintain the, the 10 tackles a game or, or whatever he had last year? Yeah. I think there's there's question marks on him. He's a he's a premium selection. There's no question about that. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have him firmly in that, that risky uh, or, or high risk to value ratio, um, to, to borrow Fox's term. And um, <laughs> that's, yeah, I'd, he's... Yeah, look, and and at this, I mean, January, we're we're what, thirteen days in. It's got to be um, your watch list has got to be open at this point. I think trying to nail down two or three guys in in that four fifty to six fifty, which is a pretty wide bracket in yeah. terms of structure. Um, um, there's a lot, a lot of options open in that in that sort of range. So I think at this stage, um, keep that that whole bracket open. Um, put Devin in that position if you're comfortable with him being there, but. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be keeping a, a pretty wide pretty wide book at this point. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair enough theory too. Look, if you want um, one just that's... Also to, yeah. um, just to back over um, uh, Elizam or Eliza M or, or um, that person there, um, that question on Twitter also said, apart from Nunes, and I'm not sure that he's gone 15 to 20 points better either, just quietly. Uh, n- no. But you can watch him. Yep, keep an eye on him, that's for sure. Look, if you want <laughs> something that's unique, let me give you a yeah. unique one. Adelaide's Tom Lynch. He's at 579. Yep, nice. I think he, he's got the potential to average 90. I think when you, you're looking at players in AFL fantasy for starting squads, yes, you want to get the best of the best in your side as early as you can, but you do need to look for some value, which is where I understand the question. I don't think Devin's oh, the well, value. Yeah, that's it. And, and, and I backed over him without um, actually giving any 
genuine names on that, which which I suppose wasn't entirely fair. But uh, no, but not all the names and prices are the being revealed. The nature of the question needed a different answer than it was looking for. I yeah. Think. I think you've got to wait for all the prices to be revealed in AFL Fantasy. That's the difference between that and if you play the other formats. If you've got assistant coach or if you've just got a mate that's got it, you probably know every price right now. Fantasy is still kind of learning them on the fly a little bit. So uh, wait to see who's available to you at what price point in AFL Fantasy. Then create that watch list of whose value, who could make money, but who could even jump into the top 10, which is where I suggest someone like a Tom Lynch who's proven he can go 90-plus across the formats. You know, That's how you could maybe look at building your um, your structure and your strategy through there, man. So good luck with that. Um, Jake has reached out on Twitter and he says, which R2 is looking the best option in fantasy? Currently has his eye on Wits, Sinclair, Cruiser, and English. I think, Jimmy, this points to something we alluded to uh, a bit over a week or two ago now with the 50 most relevant, talking about Billy Longer at R2. The reason he is so relevant is he's clear number one in my mind. Maybe outside of AFL Fantasy, you're really nicely priced, and he gives you a look at the other rucks because there are some question marks on all of our rucks, really, outside of Brody Grundy. Yeah, absolutely, would agree with that. And um, and at this point, as I said, it's early days yet, and, I, and I'm kind of hedging my bets a little bit. But I wouldn't be talking about of any of those four names he's mentioned. Mm. Um, English, in particular, is one that I'm quite, I'm, I'm. Ex- very, very keen to watch him over pre-season. Um, if he's got a, a grip on the number one ruck spot at the Dogs this year, then um, I'd be very interested to see how well he does that. Yeah, I, I, I think he's an interesting one. Cruiser, um, when fit, you know, can average high 90s, mm. so that that's not a bad. Sinclair, I'm intrigued about how the return of Naismith does or doesn't impact that Sydney structure. Um, yep. You know, whereas Wits, he, he's probably... The scoring he's delivered over the past few years is incredibly strong. I don't see him jumping up significant enough in points, and maybe the new ruck rules um, do help him. Maybe they don't. I don't know at his price point, over 90 you know, of an average, if there's value yeah. in him. Um, I think you're starting to spend a lot of money at that point on, and you're not getting value for return. That's where guys like English, Cruiser, Longer, um, Naismith, um, you know, if an injury happens, gosh, you know, Tom Hickey, I don't know if he's in your, you know, there's other names. Gosh, I feel dirty for saying that one right there. But, um, you know, I I don't think Wits would be the the value build, but... Wits is not a value pick. He's he's a a solid option that you know is going to be there or thereabouts, but he's not going to be a top-tier ruck, I think we can comfortably suggest at this point. Um, He may surprise, but bulk of evidence suggests he's not going to be a top-tier ruck, but you're paying more for him than he's likely to to deliver. And and, and that's all well and good in a draft format, um, but in a a salary format, he's going to tick along at roughly what you're getting, and he's not helping your team. He's not giving you a stepping stone. He's not providing value, and Mm. he's not picked to the high enough price and a high enough scoring range that... He's going to be a top um, top tier ruck, so I think he's one that I'm a little less keen on. But yeah, um, yeah the others for varying reasons, um, I think should be yeah firmly in in that market. Yeah, nice man. Uh, Dan Kay's asked on Twitter, "What do you think of Taranto in 2019 and what he might average?" He's thinking of starting with him, and he thinks he could potentially go 105 this year now that Shield's gone, and should help his midfield time and rotations. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? 105 sounds good. Um, Look, he, he could be anywhere in that sort of range, I suppose. Um, I, I like the kid. I think he's great. Um, trying to pick a, an arbitrary number to put on him at this time of year is um, 
not going to really help anyone, I think. But um, look, he's got to be in that discussion as a, a potential option as a, as a, as a player. Um, he's got the capability for that scoring. Keep an eye on him. Yep, no, I think that's certainly fair. You know, is it enough value in him? Maybe, maybe not. But look, one of the ways, you know, a lot of people choose to play AFL fantasy and when it works, it works great, is getting these guys that are priced, you know, high 80s, early 90s and trying to get a 10-point bump, 15-point bump um, in terms of average and get a premium for the price of, you know, a, a, a breakout, you know, a very heavily priced breakout option. But... Hmm. Um, you know that, and I certainly understand that philosophy and strategy. Yeah, look, and, and you'd be picking him on the basis that he becomes a keeper. Yeah. Um, and is he going to do that? I don't know. He's he could. He's a candidate, no doubt. He, I wouldn't say he can't. No, no, no. The better way. So, if if you think he's got that potential, and if you like watching him play, then uh, I'm certainly not going to tell you not to pick him. No, I, look, I think he was very much part of that midfield unit. Once Josh Kelly went down, yeah. he spent a lot of time in that midfield unit. And while he did spend some time, um, you know, through forward from here on in with resting and some roles, he was very much predominantly a part of that midfield unit. So I don't think the growth in his scoring is going to come from more midfield rotations, um, which is where I think the growth from Hopper comes, because I thought he was pretty close to getting forward status just personally. I think the growth comes from Taranto with natural development and natural yeah. comfort and at AFL level and him him filling out in frame even more so that confidence to deliver at the elite level. I think that's where the growth comes from, not from two or three more midfield rotations. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, no, that's just about him becoming a, a better player than he was and he was already pretty good. So look, I don't think 105 is outside of realm of possibility. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Lockie wants to know, can you genuinely run uh, in AFL fantasy with Brad Crouch, Dan Hanabry, and Anthony Miles at M5, 6, and 7, if you've got 10 other premiums in your team that you think will be keepers. Well, a premium is a keeper, so maybe you're not doing that. Um, <laughs> can you run a midfield like that? The rest on field being Rooks and another mid-pricer in a couple of other lines. That's What do you think? Can, in AFL fantasy, I think that's probably a bit too rich in Dream Team and Supercoach. Yeah, um, to, say, if to there's run. a format to do it, it'd be fantasy. Yeah. Um, and look, it's high risk, but potentially it's high reward. Um, it'd be a fun way to play the game, certainly. Uh, yeah, because all you could build a, a you know an argument. We've already revealed Brad Crouch in the fifty most relevant. I wonder if the other names will appear, you know, or not. Um, you know, we've already said Brad Crouch when fit goes a hundred. Um, yep. You know, Hannah's and Miles. Hannah's when fit has gone a hundred, but at his price range, you'd be confident that he's gone you know, high 80s, you know, if he's yeah. fit. And Miles, it's always been hard to know at Richmond because while he's shown he can score well at VFL, Richmond, especially over the past two years, um, with probably the exception of Dustin Martin, their midfield and the way they choose to play the game up until this year hasn't been fantasy footy friendly um, yeah. in terms of plenty of ball sharing. Um, it's been pressured football. Um, it, it's been move the ball forward at all costs, not chip, chip, transition, hold possession, retain the ball, um, which has been difficult for Miles for the few chances he's got at AFL level to prove that he's a fantasy scorer. Now, he's shown it in glimpses and at the lower levels. Um, but I, yeah. I think there's an argument there that he he's an 80, 85, maybe even 90 midfielder this year. Yeah, look, would not surprise at all, and um, yeah, I, yeah, I think he any any one of those three names is is worth picking as a a mid pricer. Picking all three is is ballsy, um, but if you think they've all got value and room to improve, then um, yeah, well, why not? Um, and and fantasy is the game where you because you've got those trades every week and you're burning 
you know, you're generating cash every week. Um, you know, they're the sort that you can just continue, you know, rotate your upgrades through. Um, it might work. It might not. It's not been the formula I think that um, that winners of the game have used in the past couple of years. But it um, it'd be fun. Yeah, no, well, and that's half the, the battle, isn't it, in yeah. gamers? You want to make sure you're doing it for fun. Uh, a couple of questions uh, from Louis. He's uh, come through. I, I feel like this is a bad question to ask you because I know the answer I'm going to get. How <laughs> big are you on Tom Lynch? Yes, he listened to the podcast, read oh. the article, but geez, at his price and his potential, it's bloody hard to pass up. For him, his tension is Wingard or Lynch. That's the boat he's in. Not even a question, is it? My God! <laughs> um, look, I I thought I was fairly well restrained in that podcast. <laughs> right? and I didn't break out into song. I didn't. Uh, yeah, look, he's. I'm I'm pretty keen in all formats personally, but um, but that's that's me. I'm, I'm clearly biased on that. I'm trying not to let that influence my starting side too much. Um, otherwise, I'll have 22 yellow and black players in there, and that's <laughs> certainly not going to win me anything. Um, so look, I think, um, but objectively, as as we discussed uh, a week or so ago, now he um, he presents value, and the rule changes we think at this point work in his favour, um, as does the club he's at now compared to where he was before. So all of those things lead to yes. We'll mm. wait and see what happens with it, but. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sold on Wingard personally. Yeah, Wingard's an interesting one. It is what's the role and why is he being recruited? Is he there yeah. to add an extra bit of polishing class to the midfield? Um, or is he there to replace Cyril Rioli? Um, you know, and Cyril still got midfield time, but he was very much the impact player that would win you the game inside forward 50. Um, is he yeah. there for that? Because if it's the case, then his fantasy relevancy is going to plummet. But if he's getting used through the midfield a lot, um, then all of a sudden I'm interested again. Um, oh, absolutely. And he's worth keeping an eye on. Um, as I said earlier, we don't rule out too many players at this time of year. Final one from Louis says, what's your thoughts on Blakely versus Witherden? Taking into account their matchups and all that stuff, he's finding it hard to split that 50-50. I don't think, Jimmy, at this point in the year, you have to be worried too much about doing the 50-50 split, do you? No, not at all. I think both are, are very worthy contenders for your watch list. Um, see what happens over the next little while. Put the guy that you like more in your team picker for the minute, if you like. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a long preseason ahead yet. You don't need to make that choice just now. No, you don't. No, and you're probably looking at guys like Laird and Lloyd ahead of them for your D1 and D2. Perhaps a, a Whitfield and a Sicily, yep. you know, are in the contention spot for you there as well. So maybe you're looking at a, a D3 or D4, you know, 50-50 opportunity. You don't have to lock that one away just yet. There are certain ones that you go, okay, I'm building my side around certain key pillars. Most people yep. are going to have Dangerfield, you know, in that forward line. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to be there. A lot of coaches um, are going to start with Grundy at R1. He's going to be someone you're building your side around. Similar, and Rory Laird. Look, it's going, no, these are the guys I want because I'm so convinced they're a top five to 10 averaging forward, top five to 10 averaging midfielder. I want them for the year. Then all of a sudden, now it's about building these guys that mix that I think they can, I like the buy-around structure, I think there's there's other variations for why you've got them there and a little bit lower down, but they're movable. Um, Know who you're locking in, and now it's got to take reasons to pull them out of your side, and then know building the reasons for putting other guys in. So, yeah, I don't think, Louis, you've got to um, lock that one in just yet. 
you know, for some people, they've had about a month where they've been playing with their fantasy football sides right now with, you know, team pickers and things like that. Something I always do um, just a couple of days before the JLT is I completely delete my team. Um, I I don't keep a record of it. I don't keep a, a, you know, like, of course, you know, back of the mind who guys you had in, but I, I intentionally erase all data that I can trace of structures. And I watch those first round of JLT matches with a, what can I learn? Now there are, you've always got to watch for the things of which players are missing, which players aren't playing, you know, which players are they factoring in that they could be, you know, giving them an extra midfield couple of minutes, you know, to build their fitness space because they're coming back from injury. You've got to be aware of those kind of things too, but don't come into those preseason games looking for confirmation bias. Come into the games with an open mind of possibilities Um, because as I've already said before, I think this preseason games could be some of the most crucial for our research. And you're right, when you're Lock yourself in to a certain structure, a certain player, a certain way of doing the game. In January, you are closing avenues to achieving the ultimate objective for you. And, and a closed mind is a dangerous mind in any sense of life, let alone in fantasy footy. Yeah, agree 100%. Let's talk some more questions that have been coming through. And I, why do people, are you paying people money, Jimmy, to ask Richmond related questions? I'm not, but that's um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I thought you might. All right, Ian wants to know, can you talk to me about Dusty in all three formats? Oh, I can talk to you about Dusty all day long. Yeah, I know you could. Isn't, isn't he great? Yeah. Um, look, he, <laughs> um, his value, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, absolute value. Um, his scoring form was a little down last year compared to what we've seen before. Sure. Um, and that's all good, and there's a number of reasons for that, And um, but there's... Certainly potential that that could increase again. Um, at the moment, I don't have him in my team. I'm not convinced personally that he's going to be... Um, are you recording this, MJ? Not convinced personally that he's going to be a top 10 mid from a, a fantasy scoring point of view um, in either format. Um, but... Um, but, as we've said, he needs to be on the watch list. Um, yep. There's... There's no reason why he couldn't average well into the hundreds as he's done before. Sure. Um, and so I think we need to, to, to think about him. And, and if you believe he offers value after a, a lower season last year, then, then that makes a lot of sense to pick him on that basis. Um, but really, a, a player like him, we're not going to learn a huge amount necessarily in preseason no. um, beyond what the new rules might mean, if anything. Um yeah, it's really just going to be about scoring. Um, you know, how much time is he playing midfield? How much time is he playing forward? How many goals is he kicking? Um, all of those things are going to be a factor. But if he's fit, he's capable. I think so. I think the only thing you can do with him in the preseason, um, you know, is we could really see um, we could really see uh, how Richmond structure up that forward line. Um, yeah. You know, depending on how that forward line goes. Um, you know, could really impact, um, you know, how do they use Caddy? How do they use Butler? How do they use Rioli? How do they work with Lynch and Rioli? That's the only kind of guide um, from what it is. Um, No more Tiger questions. Um, Here we go. Uh, Jaden wants to know what sub-premiums are the best in the forward line? Um, He's listed a couple, and and they're probably some of the best. Um, You know, um, he's got Wingard, Green, Tom Lynch, I think you can build a case for all of them. Um, Billings, 
Tom Lynch. Um, it, Tom Lynch, both of them. Um, Tom Lynch. Yeah, okay, sorry. So we'll go back to the next one. Here we go. Stuart. No, look, honest, honestly, um, Billings is a good pick, um, I think. Um, you know, you, we, we read about him and uh, enjoyed the podcast uh, just recently with um, him in the top 50 as well. And um, I think, yeah, he's for all the reasons that we were interested last year, and he didn't end up quite delivering on that. But when he had a poor season and averaged the numbers he did, um, I think he offers some some pretty decent value if we think he's going to have a better season this year. It's going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. There you go. So there's a a not-Tom Lynch answer. Thanks, mate. Uh, Stuart wants to know, rank your top 10 keeper league prospects. Tom Lynch. Um, (laughs) No, look, honestly, um, this sort of question in January is... um, it's it's great. The, the, the keeper leagues are, are such a an odd device in, in that everyone approaches them differently with a different strategy and a different way of building a team. Um, and I think ultimately that's going to have a huge impact on who you do or don't pick. Um, yeah, I think we can all agree that players like Grundy, like Oliver, um, Mitchell, um, Touchwood, um, are all going to be picked in the first handful of players. There's not mm. really a whole lot... Um, there's not really a whole lot that we need to talk about in terms of that. Um, anything beyond that point, we're looking at, um, yeah, and I'm talking about starting a, a fresh keeper league. Mm. Um, anything beyond that point is as much about personal preference and strategy as anything else. And so um, offering a, a top 10 at this point would be based, you know, and, and it's got to be such a flux and fluid thing anyway, based on what other players are chosen. Um yeah, it's, I don't think there's a definitive answer to that one, personally. All right, fair enough, too. When it comes to, though, the new kids, have you got a, a read? Now, this is some content that you'll get through the coaches panel um, right throughout the preseason, so we'll do a bit more in-depth. But is there a couple of guys that if it was in a existing keeper league um, that was um, you know looking to do its draft, is there a couple of kids that early on you'd be looking to, to try and pick off? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think um, you know, we look at... Um, the, the draft this year and, and Sam Walsh is going to be um, you know a hard kid to pass up on if you've got pick one yeah um, yeah and and beyond that it's um yeah we're we're yet to see these kids actually play um, in in the real thing at least and yeah so there's a, a lot to go under the water at that point um, and the other thing with that too in terms of a redraft is what you take as your first round pick is going to be very dependent on what your squad looks like and of if you course. need a young developing key forward, for example, rather you know someone that you know is going to keep forward status. Um, you know, we saw um, someone like Tim English go in the first round of a lot of keeper top-up drafts a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, he's still not delivered on that a few years later. Yeah. Is he going to? He might, um, but we don't know yet. And so there's a lot of those things that I think need to be factored in as well. And if you're in a, the sort of keeper league that takes um, recycled players and delisted options, there's going to be some some awfully good value sitting on the waivers um, or, or that other clubs have had to delist, um, depending on the, the the depth of your leagues, but um, yeah, that, that are going to be worth looking at in the first round as well. So, it's a, again, it's a difficult question to really try and assess um, exactly how you rank those sort of things when you don't know what players you're picking from. Yep, I think so too. Look, and, and then there are guys... You know, like I think Walsh is a clear number one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- then I think uh, Rankin will take some time, but I think um, maybe more of an X-factor player, but I think he'd be a, yeah. a good long-term option. I think if you're looking for like a, 
as close to immediate payoff as you can. I think Bailey Smith, um, you know, the Bulldogs pick up, he'll be good. I, yeah. I think Chase Jones at the Crows, you know, he's shown some wheels at junior level. Um, Stocker will be given every opportunity. I think Riley Collier-Dawkins yeah. will be a, a, a slower burn, um, but mm-hmm. but I think he'll be a, a really nice option. I like Jai Caldwell a lot um, yeah. in, in keeper leagues um, if he can get over some of that injury history that he's got. Yeah. You know, th- there's plenty of great options. And then if it's more of a super coach, someone like a Lacocious, um, mm-hmm. you know, could be a fantastic, again, longer-term prospect. Um, yeah. so, so there's plenty of guys through there. Um, you know, it's oh, just absolutely. personal preference. And, and as you said, as preseason goes and we get more data on these kids, we'll, you know, we'll throw some, uh, some lists together, much as I hate them, of, um, of how we might rank some of these kids from from that perspective, but as you said, there's always caveats on the on how and when you take them based on whether you want that immediate payoff or a slow burn or a certain position or, or whatever else it might be. There's um there's there's a lot to go under the water yet there, and, and plenty more coming for us. Yeah, no, I I think that is a a fair enough point as well. Thank you, mate. I appreciate your thoughts today as we've just answered some of the questions uh, off Twitter and Facebook, uh, getting people's thoughts on. Uh, Really, players that they're keen to keep an eye on this preseason. Thank you, Jimmy, for your thoughts today. If you want to go keep checking out the daily articles, whether it be the 50 most relevant, the roundtables, or anything else, they are at coachespanel.tv. And speaking of the 50 most relevant, another podcast landing tomorrow and every day until we get through the 50 most relevant players of 2019. 